Blue Wire. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the Rebuild Podcast. My name's Charlie, one of the producers here for Blue Wire. Normally, I'm involved in the, the, the back end of podcasts. I manage and produce the Taj Boyd Podcast, and I gotta be honest, a lot of happy Buckeyes fans that Clemson lost to LSU in the National Championship, but I can't blame them. I loved the targeting call. Got a little taste of their own medicine from the, the, from the bowl game a few weeks ago. I also produce the Snapback Sports Podcast, and coming up soon, we've got a uh, new podcast in the works. Got a former Cleveland Brown player coming onto the network. I think you guys will stay tuned for that. He's talking more on the business side of things, and and I can't say much more, but all I can say is follow Blue Wire Pods on Twitter, uh, and they'll be one of the first to announce it once it goes official, but... Those are conversations for a different day. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about the Kevin Stefanski press conference, my three takeaways from it. We're going to talk a little bit about the Paul D. Podesta press conference and how we're all a little more confused after it. Uh, but also, we talked to Blue Wire's Adam Patrick. He's one of the co-hosts on the Bleeding Purple podcast, uh, a Minnesota Vikings podcast. So we talked about, you know, not everything that we saw in Minnesota, especially on the offensive side of things, was Kevin Stefanski's uh, choice. We talked a little bit about how the head coach had influence over some of the play calls and how, you know, we need to give the guy a little chance. Yeah, I'm guilty of it myself. When I uh, heard the news on Sunday... I wasn't the biggest fan, and then Peter kind of talked me off the ledge, and and his episode of the rebuild was great, so check that out as well. Uh, He kind of broke the news on on here and everything. So, let's get into it. Uh, My first clip from the Stefanski press conference that really really got me excited was the very first uh, question he answered. It came from Tom Withers, and he... Tom came out and he asked him, you know, you you were a finalist for this job last year. They hired Freddie Kitchens, they fired Freddie Kitchens, and now you're here. You know, what what made you want to reapply for this job? What made you I mean, look, I would not have blamed Kevin Stefanski if he said, No, nah, you know, I'm good. I don't I don't want to interview for this position. You know, you guys passed on me a year ago and, and now you're gonna have to live with this decision. But he didn't, man. He came out, he interviewed again, he took the job, and I think that shows true grit. I think it shows he wants to prove the Cleveland Browns wrong, and uh, he's going to do that while he's here, which is just an interesting dynamic. But yeah, here's his answer to that initial question of, of why'd you throw your hat back in the ring from, like I said, Tom Withers, AP, Courses Audios from the Cleveland Browns. And you were, and yet you were undeterred to, th- undeterred to throw your hat back in the ring. Why? That's a great word. I am undeterred, and I'm undaunted, and I think the challenge is is there and I can't wait to be a part of this change and that's where again why am I confident about that because I've been in the building I know the people that we have I know we're going to add to that building I know we're going to add players as happens in the NFL but I'm excited for this challenge and and I'm ready for it look man I know press conferences don't mean anything and in seasons aren't one especially not in January when you're hiring your umpteenth million coach 
Uh, but those are one. That's one of those answers that that has to be, make you excited for this guy. You know, he's he's going to come in. He's promising the change. Uh, again, I really, honestly, would not have been shocked if if Kevin Stefanski looked Jimmy Haslam in the eyes and said, "You guys are dysfunctional, man. I I don't want to move my family to Cleveland. We love it here in Minnesota. We've gone to the playoffs the last few years. I was a quarterbacks coach, and Case Keenum had a career year. You know, you see what he's done afterwards for Denver, and and they've moved on afterwards. But no." Kevin Stefanski said, give me this job. I'm going to turn this thing around. You know, we're going to go to work. I really loved what he said later. He's, you know, the whole leave your personality at the door. Your personalities are welcome, but your production is required. And I, I think, I think they finally got it right. And it's worn on me these past couple days, especially with the press conference. And again, I'm falling victim to, you know, the moment, I think, especially with the whole recency bias thing. When I when I when it was announced on Sunday, I, I sent out texts. I, I couldn't believe it. I when someone told me that it was announced because I was at work, I thought it was a joke. I didn't see the rap sheet tweet because look, I I was one of the people who wanted Josh McDaniels. I don't know why, I just did. And you know he he's got the pedigree, but I'm, he's not here. And we'll leave it at that. Josh McDaniels isn't here. Kevin Stefanski is. Uh, you know those guys made the decision. And that's something that has grown on me. You know, I'm not qualified to make that decision. I'm, I'm just a fan, obviously. But as a fan, I think a lot of us wanted Josh McDaniels. And I'm excited to see, you know, what Kevin Stefanski brings to the table. Obviously, they made the choice to bring this guy in. And that kind of brings me to the second little key that I wanted to talk about from his press conference was the whole experience thing. Uh, a reporter asked a really good question, you know, how do you feel like you're more experienced for this job? Do you think you deserved a head coach job offer a year ago? And I think his response was one of my favorites from the from the entire press conference. And he straight up says that you can't be ready for something until you do it. I'll drop the whole quote here, audio courtesy of the Cleveland Browns. You know, in terms of being ready, you're not ready for anything until you do it. Uh, so luckily I was surrounded by some really good coaches these past uh, year and a half to help me through that process. And I'll just tell you, it's like anything else. You learn from, from your mistakes. You try to get better. I was I tried to be as critical as, as I could be as, and look at my play calls and, and our play calls and what we could have done differently. So it's like anything else. I do believe you, you get better as you go, as you take in reps. And that certainly was something for me. You make it, As a play call, you make a lot of decisions on game day. So look, Stefanski's going to learn on the job. You know, we've been in this position before where we hired a coordinator, you know, whether it was Chudzinski, whether it was Shermer, whether it was Freddie Kitchens. You know, we've hired these coordinators. They learn on the job, and some of them are set up for success. And something I'm going to talk about with Adam later is that Stefanski has survived regime change after regime change in in Minnesota. You know, he's been there for 14 years. He's worked with just about every quarterback since then. You know, he worked with the tight ends. He was AP's running back coach. And I think it speaks volumes that this guy was never let go. You know, every coach recognized that, you know, I I think I can use this guy. He's going to be an asset to the team. You know, what he brings to the table is more valuable than anyone I could go out and hire. And I think that's one of those things that you like hang your hat on that, hey, I was I was there. I was steady no matter what. These guys thought that I could bring something to the table, and that's what I'm here to do is bring my experience to the table. 
will there be bumps? Of course there's going to be bumps in the road. We saw bumps in the road uh, week one this year when we lost to Tennessee. We got boat raced by Tennessee. And even after that game, if you would have told me that Tennessee was going to go on this run and they're going to fight for a chance to play in the Super Bowl, I definitely wouldn't have believed it. You know, Ryan Tannehill has revived his, his career in Tennessee. And unfortunately for Marcus Mariota, that can mean the end of the line for him. You know, I don't see a lot of teams out there hungry for a quarterback that hasn't proved himself in a few years. But that's a different topic for a different day. Uh, it's a rebuild podcast. We're talking Kevin Stefanski here. Um, the third topic I wanted to talk about was his analytics comments. And I think everyone in Cleveland had this weird perception of analytics being, um, you know, what happens in Moneyball. So, you know, in, in Moneyball, there's the Jonah Hill and there's Brad Pitt, right? And Jonah Hill's this this geeky nerd. He's playing a serious role. It's, it's kind of weird for Jonah Hill, but but just go with it. And he's looking at sabermetrics and these these statistics that weren't really used around that time. You know, the on-base percentage, the and that raises the question, can he get on base? And I think Browns fans thought that they were just doing that, but for football. But obviously, you, that doesn't translate, right? And it's 2019, or it's 2020 now. Every team out there is using as much data, as many computers, as many people as they can to gain an edge. You know, are these guys going to blitz on third and five? Are they going to send a guy, you know, are they going to quarterback spy me on third and five? Or, you know, and, and what are their tendencies? And that's what analytics really is. It's looking at those tendencies, giving yourself a better opportunity to beat something it's, you know, the statistic that, hey, you know, these guys pass 27% of the time on second and long, you know, more often they hand it to Nick Chubb. So let's send a blitz up the middle. Let's try to stop the run there. And it's something that has been around in, in the NFL for a long time. You know, the Browns aren't really ahead of anything. They've just hired one of the premier names and one of the the guys who quite honestly has one of the most secret jobs in the NFL and his press conference this week didn't help at all we'll get to that after uh we go to these Stefanski comments you know but he's going to use these analytics and it's going to be the same thing that every other NFL team uses you know this is it's common practice Deep Podesta even talked about that you know, there's head coaches out there that ask for an analytics guy to be on the headset. Let me know what these tendencies are. You know, I can't fit that on the play sheet. And something, and I'll draw up something to beat that tendency. I'll draw up something to beat that blitz on third and two. Uh, you know, whether it's a quick pass or it's a screen or this and that. And that's something that I'm, I think is finally going to be used. I think Freddie tried to outsmart the analytics. You know, he tried these toss plays, he tried these sweep plays, and uh, they got bottled up more often than not. And I think defenses knew what was coming. And look, defensive players said they knew what was coming. You know, it was easy to play against the Browns because, you know, they got in a formation and they were going to call one play. Or, you know, you saw this motion, so you knew this certain play was coming. That's analytics. And here's Stefanski talking about analytics. You know, I'm looking for any edge we can get on game day. And certainly analytics, I know, is another buzzword uh, out there. But we're looking to make informed decisions. So as a play caller or whether it may be in player evaluation, information is power. So we like to have a lot of information that informs our decisions. So I think what we ha our setup that we have and meeting with the guys this morning was, was incredible. I think we're well on our way. 
where we can provide impactful formation, excuse me, impactful information to our coaches, to our personnel department that can really, uh, again, help, help the product in, in terms of wins and losses. To me, analytics, I can't say it enough. It's a tool. It's a tool that helps. How does it help on game day? Well, I would meet with some of our people out in, at, with the Vikings, and they'd help me understand as we go into this ball game, down and distance-wise, field position-wise, where a defense quarter, coordinator may be more apt to blitz. So really, it's, it's something as I, as I, as a play caller, was formulating a plan of attack, you start to take in information. And that really was helpful. And I can tell you certain decisions that you make, whether it be for protection or when to run certain plays, you have that in mind. And, and you have some information that was able to be gathered by that uh, compiling that data. So yeah, analytics in the NFL, like I said, it's so popular. It's so common nowadays that it almost makes you wonder what else Paul D. Podesta does. And then he had a press conference and, and shed more light onto what he does, or at least tried to. And my reaction is that I'm a little bit more confused about what Paul D. Podesta does. He talked about how he's involved with all these processes, and he, he left one little nugget how, you know, when they go to draft a player, he's there to make sure that that player aligns with the vision of the team. And so it almost like sounded like he gets the last say on who they draft, but I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think he has that much voice. He also told us that three years ago when he was hired by the Browns, he had no idea about anything in the NFL, which I think he has learned a lot in the last three years. But I also think that is why the Browns, and he shed a little light on this, that's why the Browns didn't listen to him at first. They kind of just wanted his opinion. He was brand new to the team when he recommended Sean McDermott. I think that's all it was, was a recommendation. Came out a few years later that, hey, the the Bills went to the playoffs the last couple years, and Josh Allen doesn't look half bad. Uh, And it's one of those things where... You know, the Browns went a different direction. Obviously, they hired Hugh Jackson in 2016. Uh, He's the longest tenured head coach in the Browns. We talked about that with Adam uh, coming up here soon. And it's just something that you have to live with, I guess. And you move forward. They gave the guy his choice, you know, from reports, they gave him his choice this year with Kevin Stefanski. And now it's time to let the analytics run its course. Let Kevin Stefanski come in. We kind of talked with Adam. We hope, hopefully, he goes more than forty-two games. Uh, but in Cleveland, that's not a given. Um, so you know what? On that note, uh, let's dive into our interview with Adam Patrick from the Bleeding Purple podcast. Again, another podcast on the Blue Wire Network. And of course, the Rebuild is a Blue Wire podcast, and we're growing this thing, man. You know, we added a couple baseball pods this week in anticipation of spring training in a couple months. You know, we're, we're expanding our coverage. Got a lot of Cleveland pods. Check them out, man. Got the chase down covering the Cavs. That's what B said. Talks about all things Cleveland. Check out Brown's Film Breakdown with Jake Burns. But also, just check out all the other podcasts, man. I talked about Snapback Sports. Those are two young guys, and they talk about every sport. You know, we've got the My Sports Update podcast bringing you news in the NFL. There's a lot of great Blue Wire podcasts. You know, the content's there. Got some up-and-coming reporters. Check them out, man. A lot of good NBA content from Blue Wire. Adding some NHL stuff this week and, and, and moving forward as well. But the show is also brought to you by Untuck It. Have you ever seen an untucked button down? They look they look bad, right? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always follow perfect untucked length. 
With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, athletic guys, uh, you know, all shapes and sizes. Look, I've got an untucked shirt. I, it's one of my favorite shirts to wear. It's a casual shirt. You can wear it to just about any event. You can go out in it. You don't have to tuck it in. It's a great shirt. People have complimented me on it. It's it's, uh, it's crazy. You got wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucky, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website's so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com. Use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Let's hop into this interview with Adam Patrick from the Bleeding Purple Podcast. All right, Browns fans, we are joined by Adam Patrick of the Bleeding Purple Podcast, a Minnesota Vikings podcast, if you want to check it out here on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, one of the many, many podcasts we have we have added in the last year. And who better to talk to about Browns' new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, than a Minnesota Viking fan? Um, Adam, I think a lot of people saw that game against the 49ers, and they kind of had this tunnel vision that... You know, they saw the, the the screens on third and seventeen, and they saw you know the ten points, and and you know, is that what Kevin Stefanski is bringing to Cleveland, or is there something else? Um, yeah, I don't think we should judge um his his um the hiring on that one game, especially against the the Forty ers who have a ve- <laughs> I would agree <laughs> a, a very good defense, especially because they got a lot of players healthy uh, back for that game too. Um, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that game uh, best describes what he'll bring to the Browns, um, especially if he's not even going to be the play caller. So right, and we heard a lot of reports, at least you know, as it trickled in on Sunday, that he was becoming the head coach. That yep. you know, a lot of that conservative play calling wasn't necessarily from Stefanski, but rather uh, the head coach Mike Zimmer. Is that something that that Minnesota was hearing as well, or is that something that the Browns, you know, reporters were saying to make us feel a little better? I think, um, in terms of in terms of conservative play calling, you would have to look at stuff like going forward on fourth down and and things like that. Were more those are more the de- the decisions of the head coach. So that's not Stefanski's call, um, but that's the same with you know any any head coach they're going to get the the mm-hmm. final say on fourth down and and f- most of the time Mike Zimmer's one who likes to just you know play the field position game and and depend on his defense even if you know his offense has a good shot of getting a fourth down so uh I wouldn't put um the conservative you know some of that stuff on on Stefanski I think he uh he was fairly aggressive more than than some guys in the past took a lot of a lot more deep shots downfield, especially than mm-hmm. than last year when the Vikings had uh, John D. Filippo as offensive coordinator. Um, I think Stefan Diggs he had he had over a thousand yards against this again mm-hmm. this year, but he, but he only had like uh, around like sixty sixty something catches, so he was averaging about seventeen yards a catch. So right, so right. They were they were they were aggressive when they, when they needed to be, and and you know when Mike Zimmer wanted them to to pound the rock, that's what they did too. For sure. And yeah, there's a lot of people capable of, of taking the ball here in Cleveland. Uh, Odell, obviously, Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's a it should be a similar 
kind of philosophy. Pound the rock when you have to, especially like you have Nick Chubb. You'll have Kareem Hunt if you want him back for another year, and, and you still have Landry opposite of, of Odell. Um, I wanted to dive in a little bit. Um, I saw a lot of fan reactions, and I think – I think it was also that tunnel vision that Minnesota fans had of, you know, how this was a bad game against the 49ers. They obviously, like you said, they have a great defense. Um, You know, like I I was saying, I saw a lot of reaction kind of like, all right, Browns, you you can have him. (laughs) We're we're over him. Is that sort of – is that the feel a few days later or is there kind of a sense of, oh, man, uh, Kevin Stefanski's gone? Um, No, I think – well, because last year he was almost gone. Right. So I think the the opinion going into this year was like, well, they're probably, you know, he's got a good chance to be going after this year too, especially if things go, you know, pretty decently with the offense, which they did, which mm-hmm. is and and they also can feel more comfortable because they also brought in Gary Kubiak and his son last year to help out with the offense and they're still on the staff and you know, that's pretty much the system that they implemented this year in the offense. And I know Stefanski, he's been around a a bunch of offenses, but he, there's been, you know, reports of him going to the Kubiaks and being like, you know, let's just learn your, your language. Cause most of the, the new guys on the offense are, are familiar, more familiar with, with your, you know, verbiage and language and stuff. So let's go with your stuff rather than Mm -hmm. me try and make up like a, a brand new (laughs) offense. So right. that's the kind of that's the kind of guy Stefanski is because he's been around so much he's he's seen what works and what doesn't so he's with the Browns I I feel like he's gonna just you know go with whatever works best instead of trying to you know put those those square pegs in in the round holes and and do things like that that some older coaches <laughs> might might do right yeah no there's definitely been a, a lot of coaches who. I think tried to outsmart themselves here in Cleveland just to, to prove something, yeah. um, which I don't think, you know, I, I was really excited. I know press conferences don't mean much and we'll dive into this a little later. Um, but he, he emphasized that they're just going to work, man. There's no, there's not going to be anything special kind of leave your attitude at the door and you have to contribute. And I think that's something that, should excite Browns fans. Um, is there something that you guys saw out there that it, in Minnesota that as the offensive coordinator, he kind of just made everyone, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, but you're going to, you're going to bring effort to this offense. Yeah. I mean, well, he's, he's very detail oriented. Um, so, you know, he has his, his ways about going things. And I think he expects mm-hmm. um, you, his players to have sort of a, a similar work ethic um, to himself. So he's going to expect, you know, the highest out of, out of his players and, and probably, hold them to it and if if they don't want to to work then he's gonna you know turn the guys that will regardless of how much you get paid or 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 how you know how many pro bowls you have or anything like that he's gonna go with the guys that want to be there and and the guys that they're gonna put it give you know the browns the best chance to win because sure um you know like like i said he's he's just seen enough to to realize that you know it's not always the most talented guys on the field that that make a good team it's just how how everyone on the field at once can work together to to make you know a good team for sure 
Now let's dive a little into, I guess, the statistic, the statistic side of things. Uh, Kirk Cousins, we've seen the last two years, 56 touchdowns, just 16 interceptions, uh, over 3,600 yards this year. He's obviously improved. He was an MVP candidate, you know, for, for most of the year, uh, right there until the end. But even before that, we saw Case Keenum in 2017, you know, made it to the playoffs in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when Stefanski, I believe, was a quarterback's coach, yep. right? Yep. He yeah. So so he inherits Baker Mayfield, you know, the number one pick a couple years ago. He regressed this year. He, you know, he gets Odell and he gets Jarvis. Is this obviously this is an ideal situation? But what do you expect to see this year uh, out of out of the Browns, at least you know, offense in general, I guess? Because you know, like I said earlier, you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and, and Dalvin Cook is up there with those guys too. So like I said, a, a similar situation with the weapons. Oh, for sure. I think I think you'll see a lot of similar situations with, with the play action and, and even even maybe the zone, you know, zone running scheme mm-hmm. just because um, of the way that it worked so well with um, with Dalvin Cook and, and even Alexander Madison um, sure. back there. Um, but I think, you know, he, Stefanski, he's shown that he's more of a guy, especially with this offense. He's going to um, call plays that put you, you know, in the best situation to succeed. He's not going to, you know, if he's – there's some guys that are known for, you know, having their quarterbacks drop back seven steps and wait for <laughs> right. wait for routes to develop downfield. He's, he's, he's not that guy. If you're good at that, then he's going he's gonna to do that. But he's going to put you in, you know, a situation that – you're able to succeed the best at. He's not going to make you do things that, you know, you're not, you know, comfortable doing or anything like that. Which is why, you know, Kirk Cousins, his stats were were down this year compared to to past years because he's he's thrown for four thousand yards mm-hmm. in like the last four or five seasons. But he was more efficient. Um, you know, he made a lot, you know, more accurate throws downfield. Right. You know, he's very good in play action. Um, just just a lot of things that. You know, he was instead of the offense more relying on Kirk Cousins to succeed. It, he was Kirk Cousins was more succeeding because, you know, of the rest of the offense succeeding. Right, and uh, we'll we'll kind of wrap this up. I've got a couple fun ones for you. Oh um, yeah, the people in Cleveland know this, but I don't know, you know, if, if anyone else outside of the city knows this. But since since Jimmy Haslam bought the team, and I think it was 2012, our longest tenured head coach. It's actually one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. It was Hugh Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. If you had to put money on it today and had to predict, do you think Kevin Stefanski lasts longer than Hugh Jackson in Cleveland? That's 42 games, uh, a little over two and a half years in Cleveland. Uh, you know, if it was any, if it was any <laughs> other team. Oh, I know. I had to give it to you. Um, I would say yes, just because um, he's just got a background too, like his dad. I think he's an executive with the the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's got that you know background of his you know being in an organization for a long time. I think he he might have even been around there when they were actually a good basketball team. Um, right. But um, no, I think he's he's young enough to where I think. He's got you know the ability to adapt some of like the newer newer stuff that's going on in the NFL these days with you know analytics and all that mm-hmm. stuff because <laughs> that you buzzword you, you haven't heard that word enough in the past. Oh man, days. 
Um, but he's also been in the league long enough. He's been in, he's been with the Vikings since 2006. Right. Yeah, it's been a so while. So he's been in the league long enough to know you know to know what works. And a lot of people in Cleveland, I, I don't think they know he worked with Brett Favre, and yeah. you know he, he's worked with all of these quarterbacks, and not necessarily that that Minnesota's had like the the best quarterbacks, but right, just right. the variety of quarterbacks that he's worked with. He has that experience. I don't, I don't think a lot of people are taking that as serious up yeah, here. He's worked with Brett Favre. He was, um, you know, Adrian Peterson's mm-hmm. running back coach in, in 2016. He was a tight ends coach. So he's, he's, he's worked his way around, you know, the whole, the whole coaching staff. And right. he was, he started with Brad Childress. So, um, and yeah, obvious, he's, he's just got a lot of experience. I think that, He's just he's a guy that's been able to sit back and just soak it all in and I feel like he's a guy that he sees us as a great opportunity mm-hmm. and one that, you know, he doesn't want it, you know, to slip away because he saw last year where, you know, he finished second, um right in, in the the coaching search or whatever. And and this year he finished first and he doesn't want uh the Browns to regret that. I I think I think he'll be I think I think he's he could be the best hire the Browns have had in a while. I'm not saying he's going to do amazing flying mm-hmm. colors and things like that, but you know, to outlast Hugh Jackson doesn't seem like it should be too difficult. <laughs> See, I think it's crazy. That, you know, the guy wins three games, and they they gave him the biggest leash of of them all. Yeah, that's a but, little confusing. I'm not sure how he lasted after a year. Af- um, yeah, after 0 and 16, or, or even 1 and 15. I the feel year like before. he might have been more a you know beneficiary of. The Browns going through so many coaches before him, they're just like, yeah. we, we need to have some <laughs> sort of continuity, even th- like, if, if the guy hasn't won any games. Right. It's like, I've got four <laughs> on payroll now. I can't add another one. Like, yeah. it's something so, like that. Um, I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good hire. I think he, he had other um, interests from other teams. So I think that should mm-hmm. tell you a lot about what people think about him around the league. I think sure. he, he had an interview with, with the Panthers before they, they made their choice um, with Matt Rule. What an so, interesting choice that was. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that uh, there. That's, that's I, was, yeah. I haven't been really impressed by really any of the, the head coaching hires. That's fair. Year. I was really surprised that, you know, the way the whole Jason Garrett thing was going, and don't get me wrong, Jason Garrett, he's an experienced NFL head coach, and we'll leave it at that. Oh, yeah. Um, that he that no one like waited out for him. Everyone knew that the the Cowboys were kind of going in a divorce like that 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 area, yeah, that direction. Uh, and and no one. I mean, I saw the day the Giants interviewed him for his offensive yeah. coordinator, yeah. but that's the only interview he got. I was honestly shocked at that. Yeah, I think um, I'm sure Jerry Jones has something to do with that. Oh, just, like dragging yeah. him under the bus. And- <laughs> But so. like I said, another story for another day. We've got one more for you, and we'll leave you with this. Uh, I think we, we spoke on it a little bit ago, but uh, I think it speaks volumes. Like you said, I think he started with Brad Childress, and he was he was here with the Vikings all the way up to Mike Zimmer, that even through the regime changes, and we've seen plenty of him in Cleveland where all the assistant coaches go, he was still able to fit in. And like you said, he had, he had other head coaching interests. He had interviews set up. You know, he came in second last year. Uh, what do you think that speaks to to Stefanski as a coach in general that people see the potential in this guy to to bring him on board and and keep him around even though it's a new it would have been a new head coach? Well, I think one it would say that he he's good at what he does, or else mm-hmm. you know he wouldn't be sticking around, <laughs> right? Right. One. Um, it probably says that his 
his players that you know he he's coaches you know enjoyed him as their coach because um, you know if if they didn't you'd hear about it um, and then you know the, his coaches probably respect like his his work ethic and you know given that he's been the tight ends coach and the running backs coach and the quarterbacks coach it just it seems like he's willing you know to do whatever to help the team you mm-hmm. know where they need it and um, I think that'll probably translate into what he wants to do with the Browns where he's going to be looking for guys like, you know, during, during training camp and and during mini camp and guys that, you know, might not have gotten a whole lot of playing time last year, but, you know, have the potential to make the team better and not necessarily be like a thousand yard receiver or, you know, catch 10 touchdowns. He's just, he's looking for the guys that can, and can help the team out the best. You know, you look at, you look at, I hate comparing people to or teams to the Patriots, but um, you look at that team and and they have Tom Brady, and then mm-hmm. they don't really have a whole lot of superstars. Yep, and, absolutely. And they're, they're always just they're always in games. It seems so, like all of their wide receivers that that are successful at least are you know those fifth round picks that they kind of take a swing on, and if it works, it works. But you know, if it doesn't, then hey, it was a fifth round pick. But yeah, I got to tell you, it seems like they always work out. Yeah. So and well, because they just get they get guys that buy into mm-hmm. you know their system, and they have oh, proof. Yeah. They have proof that it works. So it's not hard to convince people that you know to do you know something a certain way. So I think that's probably something that Stefanski wants to you know build. It might take a couple of years, um, but I think he's got the tools to do that. Especially, it's probably going to be a lot easier to maybe turn this team around because they have they already have a quarterback in place. They have, mm-hmm. you know, guys on defense. They have two, you know, stud receivers. They have a stud running back. So he's got a lot of tools to, to turn this team around. I'm not so sure how many people will be on the bandwagon this year compared to or, or next year compared to this year because mm-hmm. it seemed like everyone, you know, was like, oh, the Browns, the Browns, the Browns, the Browns. And now I think, you know, some people might have gotten – burned by that and been like oh, well yeah. let's let's wait and see so you know maybe maybe the browns will do better with those expectations being a little lower fly fly more under the radar and then you know they can succeed next year so we'll see i'll be i'll be watching for sure just just because knowing you know following stefanski all these years i'll be i'll be curious to see what he does sure i totally get you there adam i want to thank you for hopping on here and, and kind of consoling us browns fans like i said sunday i think <laughs> i think twitter in the cleveland area blew up <laughs> hey let's, was... let's let's not forget that he had maybe one one and a half less days to prepare for that game because he was interviewing yeah, he wasn't yeah he was so, in cleveland don't and and they had a short week too because they played on on Sunday and then they played on Saturday too. So. Indeed, they did. Um, there was a lot of factors going into that game on there was. on Saturday. And I mean, you're playing in San Francisco against that uh, that defense. They're, the, line, num- they're man. the number one seed in the NFC for a reason. If they don't make it to the Super Bowl, if they don't if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, I will I will be surprised. I yeah. think they're I think they're one of the top teams, especially with the Ravens falling. God, that was great to watch as a Browns fan. Oh, but. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, you can check out Adam in the Bleeding Purple podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Straight Cash Homie. That's S-T-R-8 underscore Cash Homie. Uh, is there any story behind the uh, the Twitter handle there? Um, I mean... <laughs> Besides the Randy Moss aspect. That's, that's the only... That's, that's, that's it, it, huh? That's, that's it, Straight man. Cash that's, Homie. That's that's who I grew up watching. For sure. Still my he's still my favorite player. 
All right. Got um, the jersey and everything? Oh, I just one. Um, no, I I got multiple Randy Moss right. jerseys and all that all that fun stuff. Just you, get, you can watch highlights of him today, and it, it still doesn't get old. Oh so. yeah, you see that player in Cleveland is Joe Thomas. So <laughs> Ooh, that, little, lots of exciting highlights. It's a little has. different. Uh, but Adam, thank you for hopping on, man. I'll let you get out of here. And uh, Browns fans, like he said, don't jump off the ledge yet, man. Give the give the new coach some time, and and uh, like you said, hopefully he lasts longer than Hugh Jackson here. For sure. And that all but wraps up this episode of the Rebuild Podcast. Again, big shout out to Adam Patrick for coming on from the Bleeding Purple Podcast. Make sure you check him out, like we said on Twitter. I think it's great to get other analysts' perspective. And most of the time, they provide a realistic opinion uh, on Cleveland sports. You know, they're, they're not kind of sugarcoating it. They're not doing their job of, of reporting the news. and They're rather offering up their opinion, you know. And it's something that I think is interesting to read because... It's always refreshing to get an outsider's point of view, you know, how they react to the news rather than us just being excited for another head coach. But yeah, uh, you could also follow me on Twitter on Blue Wire Charlie. My tweets are usually uh, Cleveland Sports and anything pertaining to my dog, my little dachshund that I named Baker. He's the cutest dog out there and no one can tell me otherwise. Uh, just show me pictures of your dog mainly. If you got a dog, send me a picture of it on Twitter. I'd love to see your love to see your little pups. Um, but that does it here for the rebuild. Again, my name's Charlie. Uh, Peter and Gates will be back for you next week. But yeah, just give it some time. I, the Kevin Stefanski hire is worn on me. I think it's worn on a lot of Cleveland Twitter, especially after Sunday. Uh, but no, we'll be fine. And if we're in this spot again in a year, then then so be it. We're used to it, right? 